in that uh, exchange between uh, the apostles and uh, the the men that were serving food. And the thing that was important and that happened was that how to do ministry. You know, in America, we, in, in Brazil or, or worldwide, there's something that every organization uh, has, which is a mission statement. It's what you're going to do, what's the purpose of your ministry, and how you're going to incorporate uh, the purpose, uh, the mission statement with what happens year after year after year. And so today I want to share with you how this happened with the early church. And I want to read in Acts chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 7. And I'd like for you to follow with me. In those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecian against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye among out seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And saying, and the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chosen Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, and Timon, and Primenus, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And they sat before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands upon them, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem uh, greatly, in great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And so I call this the first time that a mission statement was put together as to what the purpose is. And the purpose here is, is, is simply this, is to uh, uh, put the disciples to do what they were called to do and put other men to take care of the kitchen. Now let's just identify a little bit the details here because this is a very important lesson as to how the kingdom grows and develops. And, uh, and I have some comments about that. The Grecians were Hellenistic. They were inclined, I'm talking about Grecians, Greeks, uh, Rome, uh, were, were Greek-speaking Jews. And the Hebrews were those Jews born in Palestine. So obviously, of course, you know, uh, the Hebrews spoke Aramaic. The language that Jesus ministered to everybody during his time. So the Hebrews were not attentive to feeding the Grecians, Grecian widows. Meaning they were not getting their portion. They were overlooked when distribution of food or money daily took place. Both parties were trying to look out for their elderly. Nothing divisive, but, but partial to their own. Nothing divisive here, but partial to their own. My grandmother is not getting the portion of food that she needs, the money that we need in our home. And so, and so uh, that's where we are. So daily ministration means food, distribution of money. 
The complaint was very simple. It would not be right for us, the apostles, to neglect the ministry of the Word of God. So, so what do you mean? It simply meant that as the people began to be healed, the kitchen ministry grew. And there were a lot of people in that kitchen. There were thousands. You're talking about 25,000 or so being fed by the apostles. It's, a, it's an overwhelming task. You know, we have a ministry in Brazil. We feed 3,000 people. And it, it takes everybody involved. and It takes a daily uh, activity in making sure the food gets to the hungry and the poor. So the first time the definition of ministry in the New Testament occurred here. Disciples were called to minister the Word of God. Instead of serving tables. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Be diligently, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. In other words, the teaching of the Word to do the ministry of the Lord is more important than any social activity you might have to do whatever. When your ministry and when our ministry, my ministry, develops feeding the poor, the major priority that we have, we're missing the point. Our job is to minister the Word and allow somebody else to do the kitchen. And when the two are not balanced, you have a problem that really we have the idea that feeding somebody's food continuously will save them their soul. So notice that the leaders of the Jews, the Sanhedrin, uh, specifically commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus. So the resistance was, don't feed anybody, don't give any food to anybody, just don't preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Notice that the resistance of Sanhedrin is the, the, of the, of the, the leaders in, in, at, at Israel at that time were against preaching of the word, but hadn't said anything about uh, don't feed the poor. So the first time that this happened, now, now look at Acts 5.40. It's an interesting combination of events. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commended them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus Christ and, and let them go. So the job of the church, when, when it is to take care of the needy and the poor, and not giving them the word. Let me give you an example. There are, there, there's... There's a, a, there are ministries today that they uh, actually do, all that they do is to feed the hungry. But if it is a ministry, their job is supposed to preach the Word. And what I'm saying to you is that I'm speaking to myself. That my job is not to feed those Brazilian hungry people there. And we've done it for 50 years. You know, that kitchen never stopped. It's been close to 50 years that we're feeding those hills and the poor. And the fruits are many. But our job in that community is to, is to preach the Word. is to minister to the, the Word. And of course, we build a church next to the mission so that people could come to the church and they have been and they've been blessed and, and there was a full-time preacher in charge and, and it's a blessing to all of us. But there's a dis, distinctive separation on those who are called to preach and those who are called to administer the kingdom. 
There's a distinctive separation. And of course, you know, when you decide that because of the good works of someone, they are able to be in charge of the flock, you are neglecting that they might not be actually the person that can minister the word because they were called to do social ministry. Look at Acts 6, 3. Verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among us, you seven men of honest report. Look around yourselves and find seven men who had honest report and full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom to do what? To take care of the kitchen. Because if you take care of the kitchen with men and women that are called of God, then the apostles will have time to minister the Word, everything everything else. So you need to know who is gifted among you. You need to know who is in charge, who is gifted, who has talent to do certain things. And I tell you, I've seen that in the life of, uh, of so many uh, young people that come through our ministry throughout the years. Some of them really love the Word and to preach the Word, but they can't do nothing else. I mean, they, they, they can eat and they can preach, but they can't do nothing right in the office. They just don't have the gift. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to get a young man to accept the idea that in order for him to have a ministry, he has to manage the kitchen. If you manage the kitchen, God can use you for His glory. So I'm not saying that the, 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 the young man that is in ministry uh, of the Word has no understanding of how to manage the kitchen. Look, the managing here was the disciples asked, Look, wherefore, brethren, look ye among yourselves and find men that have three things. Honest report. Meaning what? They're not going to be taken from the ministry for themselves. They're honest. They're not going to put their hand on the kitty. Number two, full of the Holy Spirit. Now, you probably say, oh, Rick, but uh, you you don't need to be full of the Holy Spirit when you work in the kitchen. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh my goodness gracious, I want, to meet, I want you to meet a woman called Silvana. She's from the hills of where we operate in Brazil. And she buys five, $6,000 of food. And she knows how to manage splitting that food in 30 days. It's an amazing task. An amazing task to keep the food healthy. To keep the food apart. To follow the menu in the in the. In the in the in the, uh, uh, the quality of the food that we are serving, to buy fresh vegetables, to organize temperature inside of that kitchen, to serve the meal exactly on time every single day. Now that's a woman full of the Holy Spirit. So, so they looked, they looked among themselves for somebody. Look ye among us. Now the Holy Spirit instructed the disciples. To choose seven. And so if you follow uh, the scriptures on who the seven are, it's an interesting thing. You see, usually, uh, usually when people are to be called into ministry, the requirements of those leaders that are selecting the people uh, actually uh, is very odd. 
And let me tell you an, ex- an experience of an Asbury Seminary student who went into the local district and, and uh, present his credentials of three years of, of, of seminary looking for an appointment. And after they observed him, they decided that he was too much. He was too much of a Bible teacher. You don't need in the new setting that we have now. And so if you look at to what's going to happen within the life of the church these days, especially the Methodist church, is that you're going to see very liberal young men who have no knowledge of Scripture whatsoever. How can they be chosen to, to lead? They should be in the kitchen. Seven of them, not six, not five, not four, not three, not one, but seven. And so they chose the seven. And I want to talk about some of them. And then uh, three things that they required. Men of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. These are the requirements of a a deacon. A, A deacon is someone that has these credentials. To be, to be ordained to serve the Lord. And so, as you look at to, uh, to a young man that you got to know, uh, have honest report. I mean, he controls his finances properly. He gives record of his finances. He, is, uh, he discloses the money, how he is running the money that he has. He asks for counsel as to how to handle that money. But when you see a young man <clears throat> that is very private about his money, and does not share, it means that he's trying to hide something. Full of the Holy Spirit means that he has more of the power and the anointing of God to love others and, and has wisdom. What do you mean wisdom? Wisdom in terms of, of how to proceed, how to handle it, how to do things. And very often I find young men who are very strong-minded. They will not budge. They want what they want until they get it. They will not they will not in shape or form balance out or back up. And you find somebody that, that, just, that just don't have it to serve God. They have too much of themselves and, 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 uh, and it causes major problems. There's a young man in Brazil these days who is very, very much a, a gifted young man. And these three things seem to be very clear with him. He is a man of honest report, full of the Holy Spirit, and displaying a wisdom that we didn't know he had. That's the one I would choose to be in the kitchen. The question is, what happens when you are elected to be an apostle? That's a different thing. To be in the kitchen, you need to have some credentials. But to be an apostle, you need to be called of God. And the call of God to do what you do, it's no easy task. When the call comes, it's totally distinctive and clear. All of this was happening... Because the number of the disciples multiplied. So, you see, when the number of disciples begin to multiply, and the ministry begin to be required, it's your responsibility to find out who needs to be in charge of this, and ask God to provide who's going to do that, and do that, and do that, and wait upon the Lord to reveal to you. You know, when you begin to interview, and God is not in the interview, there's a problem. When you begin to question, begin to look, we have, we have uh, in our ministry young men that, uh, that uh, we look, we're looking at. And there's two or three that are being in our mixed of thoughts and we're just dealing with them. Uh, we haven't made any decisions about them for the future. Why? Because I believe that God 
needs to reveal that to us very clearly. And if he's not to reveal, then they shouldn't be here in this ministry. Notice that this is an international ministry, and we meet a lot of people. And we have, we have a lot of people in, in the scope. And we are looking at all kinds of things. But one thing we haven't done is to hire and then regret. Amen? We've been very careful. And that is why sometimes uh, I'd say since the ministry continues to grow, God send the workers. If we are developing and there's more things to do, God send the workers. And God then will pay the bill. God will never pay the bill when you are, are trying to build a large ministry. Acts 6, 5. In the same pleased the whole multitude. A description of what the apostles would do with their time. It says, In the same pleased the whole multitude. And they chosen, they chose Stephen. You know Stephen. He's the one that Acts 7 is stoned to death. Full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Notice that Stephen is not an apostle. Stephen simply was an anointed, full of the Holy Spirit young man. If you want to find the prerequisites of a Holy Spirit young man, look at Stephen. Full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, not the apostle now. That's a separate Philip. He was an evangelist. He lived in Caesarea. He had four daughters that prophesied. And then Prochorus, have no idea who he is, Nicanor and, and Timon and Parnamus and Nicholas, we have, it's a prototype uh, from Antioch. Yes. And they sat before them to the apostles. Meaning, they were presented to be confirmed. They brought him in, seven men. And here is the multitude. We're talking about Solomon's colonnade, perhaps. Under those columns, they stood up, seven of them. And 50, 100, 300, 500 people looked at them. And the Bible says, and when they had prayed... They had a prayer. They asked God to bless them. They asked God to anoint them and to bless them. They, they asked God, and then on top of that, they laid hands on them. As Moses did to Joshua, they laid hands on them. Now, it, it, it is interesting that the laying of the hands began to form a process of Blessing, ordination, uh, anointing, empowering. People say, oh, Rick, but uh, uh, I, was, uh, I was ordained an elder, uh, a deacon uh, by Bishop Cannon at, at uh, Emory University, Cannon School of Theology, right there on the, on the Glen Memorial Church. And uh, the bishop put his hand on my head and anointed me. And it's important to do that. Because it shows to the membership and to the people that are listening that uh, there is something between authority and separation for call, for full-time ministry. And then the Bible says this, and, 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 and the Word of God increased. 
Now, I never paid attention to that verse. It's verse 7 of chapter 6. And the word of God increased. Now, what do you mean by the word of God increased? What is that, uh, that Luke is trying to say here? The knowledge, the understanding, the perceptions, the teachings, the, 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 the dividing of the word, the empowering, the submission. The Bible says the word has never returned void. And you that are listening to me this, this morning, uh, you're not alone. There are 100 countries, 100 other countries besides America that are listening to this broadcast all over the world. And, and people are, are, are coming to our website. We have a record of that. And it simply means it, it, that I'm not, not because of me, not because I am uh, 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 the Word that I have. It's because of the Word. The, the Word of God does it, the job by itself. The Word of God increases membership. The Word of God increases the numbers. And in, in, in verse 7 says, And the Word of God increased. A lot of people throughout the world are listening to me now. The value of myself is none. You can listen to anybody. But because I present to you the Word, then it has value. So I hope that you will not judge me on who I am. If you like me or dislike me. I've been telling you 50 years. I'm not a popsicle for you to like me. I don't care if you like me or not. But I hope you receive the word. And the word here says in verse 7, The word of God increased. When I listened to that verse, it bothered me. My goodness gracious. What is God saying? Well, He's saying this. In the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. One more time. In the, in, the, in the word, in the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. Why did the numbers of disciples multiply greatly? Because the word was preached. Now when the word is preached, anointed by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, the text becomes the major priority of the teaching. And there's nothing there that you avoid. Nothing there that you hide. Nothing there that you uh, take from somebody else is given by God. When that happens, you probably say, Rick, how long have you been preaching? Fifty years. Who pays all the bills of these 14, 15 workers in our ministry? The Lord does. How can you survive at the age of 76 with a schedule like this, beginning next year, traveling uh, internationally so many times? The Word of God. What, you're not so special. You're not so tall. You're, you're a good-looking guy. I understand that. But you're not just some, some evangelist. Well, I'm just me. Why have I survived? Because I preached the Word. Because I'm sharing to you with the Word. I'm not right all the time. I'm not clear all the time. But God sort of a blessing because I have a pure heart about that. And the ministry is specifically, if you look at our website... Is specifically dealing with issues that are totally neglected in the life of the church. Now, I'm not going to be correcting who does, who doesn't. I just present it. You like it or not, it's not up to me to decide. But here it is. 
There it is. Go to our website and you see men and women preaching right and left everywhere every single day. Why they're preaching? Because the Word will increase the membership. The membership of heaven. The Word will increase the membership of heaven. Verse 6. Amen. Uh, let's take a look at these. who were these men for just a moment. Okay. Uh, of course, you know Stephen. He, was, he is in chapter 7 of Acts, full of faith and power. That's how they describe. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great works and miracles among the people. That's the guy that's going to be in the kitchen. <laughs> and look where he is. Now, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 6 describe where he found himself. I just want you to know Stephen a little bit. It says, There arose certain of synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, Jews who had been taken as slaves to Rome, elsewhere in the Roman Empire, but now had been set free, consequently coming back to Jerusalem. They had a synagogue in Jerusalem, and perhaps several, the Cyrenes, the Alexandrians, and then the Sicilian of Asia, disputing with Stephen. Now you're talking about Stephen dealing with Jews that used to be slaves in the Roman Empire and had churches in Jerusalem that they went to the Libertines and of course uh, the Cyrenes, you know, Lucius of Cyrene, remember him on chapter 13 of Acts, was one of the people who, who was a part of that, that fasting that Paul was ordained then separate from me, Paul and Barnabas for which which I have called them. That Lucius is one of them. Cyrene is, is in Africa. So, so he, he is mingling with all these men and talking to them of what needs to be. Okay? And how, what's going on here? That is, that is where the conversation... And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now that's one of the guys that the Holy Spirit of God put in the kitchen. You've got to ordain him bishop right away. Man, the man is loaded. Suddenly, he's in the kitchen. Now, do you see how it works? In other words, God puts you in the... And of course, you know, you're talking about... Uh, he probably the one who run the whole thing. Let me tell you, uh, feeding 3,000 people, it's a very difficult task. Prices varied by month to month. The, the, the amount of food... To be distributed has to be equal with the money we have. <laughs> Equipment has to be repaired monthly. Repairing of the kitchen is one of the great tasks that we have. It's a it's a it's a it's 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 a daily daily activity on how to run that kitchen. Uh, workers, salaries, arrival. Bread, doing bread, preparing, it's a, it's a pain. Now why would God take a man full of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I don't want to go into who Stephen was in the conflict that he was now, but I tell you, that's, that's what God decided him to be. God decided him to put in the kitchen. What a wonderful thing. That this man, full of the Holy Spirit, is, is, is chosen to be. And then it says, Philip, 
Now, Philip is an interesting character. He was an evangelist, anointed of God. And uh, he was sent to go to the, to the road that lead to, to Gaza. And he found there uh, the treasure of the Candace uh, of, of, of Ethiopia. Uh, uh, that's where Ethiopia? That, that's where Alice comes from in Jays. And of course, uh, this is we know Ethiopia because Alice and Jace comes from Ethiopia. Uh, John Dunn, our our uh, uh, manager, went to Ethiopia and adopted two little boys, beautiful boys. We, you got to know Jace and Alice. And of course, uh, Philip goes to Gaza and met the treasure of Ethiopia, and the Holy Spirit told them and led them to Christ and baptized them. And so Philip is just a an anointed man of God, anointed. Four daughters that prophesied constantly, speaking grace and power. He's in the kitchen. Now think about that. Now, it's a Greek Christian called Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas. We don't know about these, uh, these four men, have no, no information about them. But I can tell you, uh, uh, their names are Greek. All of them are Greek, Greek names. So it simply means... That the ministry of Paul in Athens must have caused them to come and join, uh, and join the kitchen crew. God did something in their lives in Greece. Amen. Of course, we, we have been to Greece ourselves. We have been to uh, uh, Ephesus in Corinth ourselves. Uh, and we studied the ministry of Paul on the mission trips down there. And then Nicholas from Antioch. Now, Antioch is the first place in the Bible that the church uh, started in, in Acts chapter 13. It was there that uh, people were praying, you know. Uh, uh, and, of course, God called Paul and Barnabas for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, so he is, Nicholas is a Gentile converted to, to Judaism. He's a Gentile. And he's also from Antioch, which... which uh, explains the place where the first place where the people were called Christians. So now, so we have an idea between Stephen, Philip, and Nicholas. There are three out of the seven. The other five were Greeks. And what it means is, uh, Greek men, is that they were full of the Holy Spirit also. You wouldn't put an apple with an orange in here. It had to be all oranges. Men of God, okay, whom they set before the apostles, laid hands on them, and the word of God increased, the number increased over to 25,000 people. In great company. Now, the last thing that I want to share with you before we go is that the, a great company, verse 7, of priests were obedient to the faith. Now, who, who are these priests? Well, the temple had 24 sets of priests, didn't they? 24 sets of priests. All of them, many of them, came to accept Christ as a Savior, as the Son of God. That's a wonderful... Now, that's a verse to behold. You know, the Sanhedrin is actually accusing, harassing the apostles, but about a lot of priests were being converted to the faith. I hope that today you learn on how to be in the kitchen. And I hope today 
you'll be able to understand what it takes to be in the kitchen. And if God called you to be in the kitchen, don't, re- don't refuse. Do what God called you to do. And be blessed of God, and He'll bless you abundantly. I bless you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. I bless you with the anointing to be in the kitchen to do what God called you to do. I bless you with the work that you do in the life of the believer, and that you become a blessing in the hands of God. I bless you with the disposition, the anointing, the strength to not back up and run away from your call, but be in the midst of it and do it as God has called you to do. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray for you today. Amen. Oh, God's mercy so amazes me To every generation He gives the joy of His salvation Oh, God's mercy so amazes me I watch the world around me I can see His mighty hand Delivering His people From the evil in this land The wounded and the broken From the seed of Abraham And led them through the wilderness into the promised land In boundless love and mercy He gave His only Son Who became the sacrifice for everyone Oh, God's mercy so amazes me Oh, God's mercy 